Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Chapter 9 through 16. So hope you brought a lunch. We're not going to really go to it. I'm going to put two screens, uh, two uh, messages up on the screen. This is our anchor text for this whole month. And we're going to be looking at the life of Saul that starts in 1 Samuel chapter 9. But these are the only scriptures that I want you to really go to today. I'm going to have the rest of them up on the screen. And this is what we're talking about today. Good to have you with us today. If you're visiting for the first time, I'm Pastor Eddie. I have the privilege of uh, pastoring the greatest church in Southeast Michigan. Come on, that's your, that's your shot. Amen. Been running two services, a good-looking group this morning. Uh, the services have just been filling up, and it's just so awesome to see what's happening. Be in prayer. This Tuesday, we're going to meet with the township and talk about uh, the drainage and the parking lot issues and things that we need to get uh, uh, corrected to build this extension on. And they're going to give us a free meeting and just talk to us about the building. We want to expand and put a big sanctuary on the back of this thing. This would be our kids' center right here. I mean, come on, we got a little cafe area that's going to be outside that the, the, the sit out there. You can even have life groups out there. I mean, this is it. This is where we're, where we're headed. We need to do this. And, um, and so be praying for us on Tuesday, okay? Amen. Let's get into the word. This is God speaking to the very first family in Genesis, and he tells them something that we're going to be preaching about all month long. And he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Just got to stop right there. That is so deep in that one little scripture. That is so deep. He says that you have a door. Everyone has a door in our lives, a door to our marriages, a door into our, our emotional well-being, into our bodies. We are body, soul, and spirit. Well, there's a door there. God said there is a door. And the enemy is just at the edge of the door to every single one of us. And Jesus told us that that enemy has a desire to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, God said his desire is for you. I want you to know that God has a desire that you be blessed and that you see 50 years and that you have an awesome life. That's God's plan for your life. Well, the enemy has a plan. Jesus said it's to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you getting this today? And it all hinges on you and I opening up the door to God and surrendering our life to him, which we need to do daily. Right? Or we're going to open the door and let the enemy in through sin. This is what he says. And he says, but my, my plan for you is that you should rule over sin. You are to be uh, victorious. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's all of that is in this scripture right here. It's profound. And unfortunately, Cain disobeyed God and he opened the door. And this is what we're going to talk about today. He opened the door through disobedience. In the very next scripture He's filled with jealousy, and he commits the first sin in the family, and he kills his own brother. Devastating news. Fast forward, Jesus comes on the scene, and he walks around on the earth for 33 and a half years, and he lives in a fleshly body. That means he was tempted just like you you are and I am. And he says to his disciples, here it is again, but he says that now the ruler of this world is coming for me. Sin lies at my door, Jesus said. Jesus said, I can sin like anyone else. Sin, I'm tempted in every way. Sin lies at my door, but I love what he says, but I have not given him any access into my life. So all month long, we're going to be preaching this series entitled, Access Denied. 
access denied. And today, I want to deal with a subject and minister to those that might have had the door opened up into your family, maybe generationally, or maybe you even in the past. But I want you to know today, we're going to, we can even shut those doors today. Are you ready to shut some doors in your life? Are you ready? Well, then you got to give permission to the Holy Spirit because he's going to go deep today because we're going to talk about an ugly enemy that we all battle. You're going to give him permission today. Let's do that right now. Father, we don't underestimate us being together in this building at this time today. No matter all the busyness of our plans this afternoon, whatever we got planned, Father, we pause right now and give you our undivided attention and give you permission to search our heart and to do what it is that you need to do in our lives in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. Tell three people, don't let them in, and you can be seated. Thank you for coming out again this afternoon. I went a little long in this morning service. God did some awesome things. I want to be mindful of our volunteers. It's kind of a tough situation to be in when you got two services and we got uh, awesome volunteers that are up there serving and ministering to your children. And so I'm going to try to, um, at the same time, we got to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Amen. So if we go a little long, I'm going to dismiss you. Maybe we'll have all the kids come up and join us. Boy, I don't know. Uh, but... <laughs> But I want you to just let God have his way to minister to you uh, in our hearts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at uh, the first king of Israel. His name is Saul, and he is introduced in 1 Samuel chapter 9. I want us to take a look at this man today. I believe he's in the Bible for us to learn from. And I'm going to deal with something that we all, mu all must deal with and we all must maintain victory over. And I'm going to talk about this. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says, there is one vice of which no man in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else. It is ruthless, it is sleepless, and it is selfish. It makes people concentrate everything on themselves. Every job, every relationship boils down to how does it make me feel? Many will admit their bad temper, their lust, drink, even that they are cowards. But I don't think I've heard anyone accuse himself of this vice. The more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. This vice that I'm talking about today is pride. Judging by your response, it's going to be a great long, short afternoon. Amen. I want to look at the life of Saul. This man was Israel's first king. And he uh, started out really good, but it's a tragic story. And he actually ended his own life by committing suicide. We have a problem in an epidemic of suicide in our country today. I don't need to tell you that. We just had two, lost two amazing people, very successful, very, very um, popular. And our, my heart goes out to their family. We should be praying for their family right now. Their, the suicide is at a 30% increase uh, a rise in suicide that they were living in. But it's been around for a long time. There's eight suicides in the Bible. The enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. Today, in Saul's situation, in his suicide and in his problem, it started 40 years earlier before he fell out his own sword. He began to open the door to the enemy by disobedience. But it's very, I want to go a little deeper than that because it's very obvious that we need to know that obedience brings the blessing of God in our life and disobedience brings 
uh, not the blessing of God in our life. How many understand that? An eight-year-old can understand that. God says in Deuteronomy, if you will listen to my word, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country, you'll be blessed coming in, you'll be blessed going out, right? If you will just heed and obey my word. Then the very next chapter, he begins to go. He gives Israel and us about six more chapters, uh, that many. I mean, it is. If you disobey me, this is going to happen. It's not going to go well with you in this city. It's not going to go well with you. All of these curses are come upon you. And, and then he says this, and you will not be able to stand against your enemy if you are living in disobedience. Isn't that pretty plain? But I want to go deeper today. And why don't, if it's that simple, why don't we obey God? If it's that simple, Pastor Eddie, why didn't Cain listen to God? It seemed like a light bulb would have came. I mean, God told him that it's going to go bad if you let him into your life. If you disobey me, it's going to go bad. Same way with King Saul, he's introduced and, and, and he's told, listen, do what God's called you to do and the whole nation of Israel is going to be blessed. But he didn't. And Saul's problem, why he disobeyed was because of pride. He opened the door that actually affected his entire future and affected his kids. You still with me? And I'm just laying the foundation. We're just getting started. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible lists the heroes of faith. How many's heard of the Hall of Fame, right? All the sports guys would be there in sports. We got down there in Canton, Ohio. It's the Hall of Fame. Uh, Barry Sanders is there, the greatest running back ever. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you don't know who he is, Google him. Right, Tomas? It's the greatest running back you've ever seen. I wish we had him on our team today. Anyway, okay. Uh, there's a hall of fame. Well, the Bible has a hall of faith. These are God's heroes. It's Hebrews chapter 11. I encourage you to go listen to it and study it out. And what you'll find is underdogs. You'll find Rahab the harlot there, a harlot. I preached on her a couple of weeks ago. You'll find Gideon. You'll find all these, these underdogs, these people that came from, from, from no one, from the smallest tribes. They were nobody. And I love about God because he picks people differently than the way we pick people, right? But what is the point here is in chapter 11, right around verse 30, when we get to King Saul, he's the first king of Israel. The Bible skips right over him and goes right to David. He is not even listed in Hebrews 11. Why? Because the, door, the doors that we open will affect our entire family for generations to come. Please hear what I just said. I don't care if you got Jesus in your heart. You got your family in your bones. In the issues that you and I open up and allow the enemy to come in, the Bible says that the enemy came in for Saul, but he hunted down his children and his grandchildren. And the enemy tried to take and eliminate the name of Saul from the Bible. But I'm here today to tell you today that we can close those doors. Amen. I said, I got good news for you today. You can close those doors. Amen. So we're going to start with Saul. And I got five manifestations of pride in case you don't think you got pride. But your neighbor's going to help us today. Amen, right? So if you sit next to somebody real holy talking about, that ain't me, I want you to look at him and say, you lying in church? You're opening a door right now because this is something we all got to battle with, people. And the first thing that you will see that causes pride, this is what causes pride, is when, whenever we withhold our praise to God, whenever we quit being thankful to God and giving God glory for where we are today, it, we then, when we stop doing this and we start doing this, pride is born. When we quit saying it's God that has brought me here, when we quit thanking God, I don't care if it's a parking place in Walmart, the Bible says all good things come from God. 
So you can give God glory for that. But there's something that happens in our lives that we begin. First, we're thankful. We're so thankful to God. We're thankful for this church. And we drive out here. And, and many of us drive from a long distance. We've got people driving from Fenton, from Flint. I met a woman that's been coming for a while now. I don't know if Sister Yvonne is here. She just informed me she drives from Flint, Michigan to come be with us uh, at our 1130 services when she can make it. I mean, a church that's alive is worth the... Come on, yes, amen, we love it. And when you first get saved, though, man, you don't care if it's right around the corner. You just love God. You're so thankful. You're thankful to serve God. You're thankful to do whatever God wants you to do. David said, King David said, I'm happy just to be a doorkeeper. That's the attitude that we all have, and that's the attitude that Saul had. He was just so thankful to God. He was so thankful for, for God's blessing. The Bible says on his inauguration day, the day that King Saul was going to be inaugurated. Thousands upon thousands of people were here in the Valley of Mizpah. And it was a big, big um, cliff of a rock there, if you can picture it. And Samuel the prophet was there. So we're going to use two names today. Everyone say Samuel. Samuel. And everyone say Saul. Saul. Now remember these two names. We're going to mention David as well. But Samuel and Saul are the two guys in Israel's history we're going to focus on. And Saul is the guy. Saul, they, bring, they look for him. Thousands of people are there. And the Bible says they were going to inaugurate him. But they looked for Saul, and Saul was hiding in the equipment room. He did not want the title of pastor. He did not want the title of a leader. He didn't want it. He was humble. He was little. And they got him to come out anyway, and they poured anointing oil on him, and he became Israel's first king. So he started out right. And you can see how thankful he is because his first victory that he won as king, the Bible says he built an altar. He built an altar, and he was just saying, God, I'm just so thankful for being in church today. God, I'm so thankful that I get to give into the offering. I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful that I can praise your name today. I, I'll thank God for the music. Don't you thank God for our music that we have here? I mean, if you love music, you've got to be thankful for that. I mean, there's nobody up here banging on a tambourine and, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with tambourines, but it's a quality talent that you see up here. But what you feel is quality anointing. You hear me? You can get talent down at the honky-tonk or the club or whatever else you listen to. There's talent, but then there's anointing. And the Bible says only the anointing can break the yoke. Only the anointing can make you feel the way you feel. I love good music, and good music has its place in time, but give me an anointed worship. Give me an anointed praise that the chains just come off my life, where depression has to go. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. But the moment we quit praising, the moment we quit praising, here's the thing. Saul built an altar after his first victory. But the Bible says his second victory, he went and built a monument and a statue in his name. And he marched in his own parade. Talking about, yeah, talking about I did it. This is what happens. We are thankful for God for bringing us here. Then we get a promotion. First, we're broke when you come to God. Usually that's how we are, broke, busted, and disgusted. We're so broke we can't pay attention. Then we get saved. God gives us a job, and we talk about, yeah, you know, I got here because of my hard work. You know, I got here because of my education. I got here because I know somebody. You know, God helped too, but it was me that did it. Next thing you know, what's happening? You're not building an altar no more. You're not building a monument. Your praise is now turning into pride. That's right. That's right. And soon you're going to be just like Saul where he's marching in his own parade. Samuel's up on the hill saying, where you at, bro? You're supposed to be up here offering up sacrifices. You're supposed to be coming and offering up sacrifices. Instead, you're out there building your own monument. Come on, somebody. We're going to go detail. It's going to be quiet, but it's going to be good. Because we're talking about pride. And if you start thanking God for this, Jesus had his disciples, and his disciples argued uh, over who was the best. Remember that? 
They're walking on the road, and his disciples start arguing who knew Jesus the longest. And, you know, Peter's like, man, I've been here from day one. Bartholomew said, I was the first disciple ever called. And Thomas says, both of y'all got it wrong. I'm his favorite. And they're arguing in your Bible. You can read it. On who's the greatest? And Jesus turns around and says, what are y'all talking about? Now, how many know Jesus knew what he was talking about? And they says, you know, we're just, and then actually they were silent. And Jesus said, I hear what you guys are talking about. And the people in this world, they lord it over one another. They lord authority over people. It's all about titles. It's all about who you know, not what you know. Jesus said, that's how this society is. But he said, that's not how it's going to be in my church. That's not how it's going to be in the kingdom. If you want to be great in the things of God, learn to be a servant to all. So in other words, the way up is actually the way down. You're getting it today. And that's how we are. We're so thankful, God, that I'm even in church. And we start arguing. Once we start coming to church for a little bit, we start arguing, oh, I've been here longer. I think I should be up there. I should be doing this. And and, the disciples were arguing. Watch this. They were arguing over who sits where at the table, and they forgot that they're sitting at the table. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Creeps in slowly. I announced it to the 930 service, and I'll let you know now. It's been a great honor this past Monday. I met with our chief of police here in Van Buren, and they had us come in. And many of you know that I've been, they've been talking about having a chaplain, and it's a long story. Well, they made it official. I'm the now chaplain for Van Buren Police Department. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And I sat there, and I'm telling these guys, and they're telling me the responsibilities that uh, I'm going to be going through, and there's some training and some things, I, which I said I want to go through because it's important to keep a teachable spirit. Amen. And I said, I don't know what I mean. How many know you don't know it all? And uh, I, I said, you know, I don't learn. I, I want to learn. So I said to them, I said, you know, I always wanted to be a cop. I did. I was a little kid. I wanted to be a, a cop, a stuntman, or Spider-Man. Okay. And my mama slowly started telling me that uh, Superman's better. Anyway, she started telling me and, and, and started telling me about all this stuff. And, um, and, but uh, the police officer, I wanted to go in the military and become a cop. And I kept messing up, though. And I even told the, the police the story. I said, because they did a background check. And I told them, first of all, when they mentioned the background check, first of all, <laughs> okay, uh, let me just explain. Got some explaining to do. I said, okay, look, before you go look, I want you to know, number one, I wasn't always a pastor. And uh, you're going to see that. And, and so anyway, long story came back. And they were like, man, you're good. You're good to go. But I told them, I said, I couldn't uh, get my act together. I wanted to be a cop. I went out and I took the Malazzi test and I passed it. And they started laughing. They said, man, we were under the Malazzi test. And it's not even called that anymore. You're old. Anyway, so, but they said, you know, you're going to get a uniform and even get a badge. Okay, uh, again, if you're listening in on this, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it's, it's actually to get into the crime scenes and stuff. They were telling me that uh, the responsibilities is, is pretty, pretty big. And, and here's the thing. And on, the mom, on my way home, I had to call mama. How many still call mama with good news? I mean, I called mama when I first got my job at McDonald's. And I called her even at Taco Bell, even at Subway. Come on, I work, how, many, how many fast food people we got here? That's the hardest work you'll ever work in your life. Let me just say that right now. I was so thankful to be at Mickey D's, my, my first job. Two weeks later, I was like, get me up out of here in Jesus' name. The devil is a lie. But I always call mama with good news. And on the way home, guys, here it is. I'm, I'm just so thankful. Not over being a, uh, the chaplain and, and, and all the accolades and all of that. Here's why I was so thankful. God has brought me back a full circle 20 years later. 
Can I tell you that there are some dreams and and things that maybe you have given up on, but if you will just stay consistent and faithful and loyal to God, he will bring things, all things worked, all all things work together for their good. He will make a way where he will bring you back around full circle so you will see those dreams and those visions come to pass. But I sat there and I just begin to say, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Can you still be thankful over the little things? Saul began to quit being so thankful over the little things, and he started building altars. And the moment we quit releasing them, because the mo- worshiping God puts God on the throne. Isn't it something that Satan himself was the praiser in heaven, and the very thing that he was created to do, he turned and perverted and ended up causing pride, the first sin, to arise in him. Why? Because he quit praising God, and he started praising himself. Please go with me. Go with me this morning. I'm going to go a little deep. He quit praising God, and he started saying the five eyes of Ezekiel. I will arise, and I will ascend, and I am better than the Most High. It's about me, my life, all about me, me, I. And you know, I is right in the middle of pride. And it starts when you and I, and me, me too, stop worshiping God. C.S. Lewis said, when someone has pride, he cannot know God. C.S. Lewis said, as long as we are uh, having pride in our life, we are up and we can only look down and we cannot look up. I mean, this man is this, I love C.S. Lewis. He's got pages of, of things that he wrote about pride. But the first thing I want you to know is that pride begins when we withhold our praise. You need to always, like David, come along and said, I'm just happy to be in the house of God today. I'm happy that I can sing. I'm happy that I, even if I can't sing, I'm happy that I'm in the church of God today. I'm happy, God, that I got breath in my body. What's that song? Your breath. Your breath is in my lungs. So I turn, I give it back to you. It's your breath, right? In my lungs. I love that song. It's your breath. Your breath is in my body. Everything I have, God, is you. Everything that, what can I give you that you haven't already given me? Are you there? Or have you outgrown that? Number two, rebellion. Rebellion. Rebellion is found, manifested itself in Samuel chapter 13. Samuel comes to Saul and he says, Saul, very plainly, he says, Saul, I want you to wait seven days. And after seven days, then I want you to offer up the sacrifice. No, actually, he said, wait wait seven days and I'm going to offer up the sacrifice. Samuel said, I'm the pastor. This is what I do. I'm going to be doing the spiritual thing. You're king. I just need you to get the people there and you stand there. And the Bible says that when seven days came, listen to this, seven days came, Samuel didn't come right away, so Saul began to panic. Saul began to get tired of waiting on God, and he began to get ahead of God a little bit, and he looked at the people, and he said, oh no, what am I going to do? So he offered up the sacrifice, and here's the thing. The Bible says, as soon as he offered up the sacrifice, here comes Samuel. (laughs) Can I tell you, soon as you try to get ahead of God, man, that's when your breakthrough is going to come. Please get that today. Please get that today. As soon as, if he would have just waited, like God told him to wait. If he would have just waited. But he didn't. He got ahead of God and he did it. Samuel came. And I want you to see what Samuel said to him. He said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people, everyone say the people. 
were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered uh, together at Michmash, Philistines were the enemies, then I said, the enemies will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord, therefore I felt compelled. I want you to see those two go together. He said, instead of waiting on God, and instead of doing what God told me to do, I let other people persuade me to do, and I started doing what I felt like doing. Let me tell you what rebellion is. Rebellion is not simply making a mistake. Rebellion is not missing the mark. One of the definitions of the word sin is missing the mark. That means you're aiming, you're trying, but you miss the mark. We all sin like that. We all fail. We do that. that don't understand. But this is not what I'm talking about. Rebellion is open rebellion against God. It is exactly hearing and knowing what God wants you to do and saying, I know what you want me to do, but I don't feel like doing that. I feel like doing, I know it's Friday and I need to get off work and I need to go home and be with my family and I need to do what's right. But the people, they keep texting me. The people, they keep snapping me and man, they're, they're having fun and I'll, I'm feeling like I'm missing out on something. And, and I'm, I want God, want, like I said it before, he wants to turn that FOMO to Jomo, you, where you get joy of missing out. When you get joy of missing out of the party because you ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. There ain't no high like the most high, but it ain't about how you feel. I don't mean to get loud this morning, but this is good stuff. This is how 21 years made it. It's how 50 years of marriage. I watched my dad. My dad lived and he was, he'll tell you his stories. Amazing. The same alcohol and violence I battled with. It's passed down. It's into your bones. As I said, Jesus is in your heart. You can be saved and loving God. But if you don't deal with the soul and the emotions, because your family's in your bones. One of the biggest books I read is out there is this Christian pastor who talks about, he's got a book, I recommend it if you're, a, if you're a bookworm, The Emotionally Healthy Pastor. You may not be a pastor, but get it. He begins to talk about being set free from these things, man. And I watched my dad, but after he had to make an adjustment when he began to serve God, he said, I, I'm going to quit doing what I feel like doing. And Samuel came to Saul and, sa and, and, and he says, um, man, what, what's wrong with you? Why did you do this? So, so let me fast forward. I got five of these today. Lord, help me. I do this every time. So, amen. Thank you, Brittany. I mean, oh, God's grace, grace, uh, merciful and full of grace. Okay, let me get everybody in now next. I'm going to preach on grace for an hour if you don't raise your hand. How many believe God's full of grace and mercy? Amen. And so God gave Saul another chance. God said, okay, you blew it. You felt compelled. You felt, and you let the people get you out. I get it. You're human. I'm full of love. I'm going to give you another chance. Ver chapter 15, we're going to spend the rest of the, the evening on chapter 15. <laughs> chapter 15 is where you need to go home and read this chapter because this is where he blew his second chance. How many know that there, God, is his, his grace and his mercy is new every day, but his patience, the Bible says in Revelations that his cup of patience can be full describes that. It's a scary place to be. But anyway, God said, okay, Saul, I'm going to get one more chance. Chapter 15, he says, I want you to go down and wipe out all. Everyone say all. I want you to wipe out all the Amalekites. The Amalekites, I've preached on them before. They represent the flesh. They ambushed Israel when they came out of Egypt. They were like ISIS. They were terrorists. They killed women and children of Israel. And God, he didn't, he didn't wipe them out right then and there. He waited. He gave them time to repent. 
Well, they didn't repent. So God said, it's time for Israel. You got a new king now. Go down there and take care of business. But I want you to wipe them all out. Very plain, very clear. The Bible says Saul went down there, brought his whole army. Here comes tall Saul. He was tall. The Bible says he was taller than any man, and he was more handsome than any man. And he come from a very wealthy family. So he was a very affluent man and family. And I mean, he was good looking. He had all this stuff going for him, right? He marches down there. He's leading the army. And the Bible says, but he was unwilling to destroy them all. Hear that word, unwilling. Instead, he looked at the sheep and said, why should we kill this sheep? This sheep ain't nothing wrong. The sheep ain't never did nothing. And he's like, man. You know, and, and he's like, yeah, the sheep didn't do nothing. What the sheep do? God, what you want me to kill a sheep for? God's mean. He's a dictator and he's all this. You know, he didn't understand that God said, no, I'm going to wipe. You know, it's like cancer. The doctor ain't going to just get a little bit out. He's, he's going to get it all out. And you should want him to get it all out. And that's how sin and that's how evil, that's how this terror, the terrorism is. It's like ISIS. You don't want to go over there and just say, okay, stop killing people. Okay? You want to take them out. <laughs> that was pretty funny right there. You want, to, you, want to, you want ISIS to move in next door to you? And you go ahead, brother, go at it. <laughs> just stay out of Taylor, all right, in Jesus' name. And the Amalekite, so Saul went down there and he, the Bible says he was unwilling. So he kept some of the sheep. He kept some of the oxen. And he, he kept the king, King Agag. You come on with us, dude. You're going to be with us, man. We're going to, and we're going to, we're going to keep some of the, the, the weapons because they were made out of iron. The Philistines were made out of iron workers and so were the tribes that are along the Mediterranean. So they kept the best. And, and they kept them for, for the best of them, of what they felt like they needed to do. They were unwilling. And Samuel comes back down and he says to him, what have you done? What have you done? And he says to him, look at what he says. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded for you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Who's that? David, and the Lord commanded him to be commander over all of his people. David had no idea this was happening, by the way. He's on the backside of the desert, in the wilderness, taking care of his little flock, and God was setting him up for a great comeback. Why don't you go to the next slide? Go to verse 22. Samuel said to Saul, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Please listen to these next words. Behold, to obey God is better than sacrifice. God said, I want you to, I don't, you know, it's good to sacrifice. You can even sacrifice your time by serving in churches and sacrifice coming to church. And, you know, there are some people who actually think they're doing God a service by coming to church. Not here, but other churches. Some people can actually get that way where, man, you ought to be good that I showed up. Going to church is good, but I want you to see this. God's rather, he don't care how much you sacrifice. He wants you to obey the word of God. Next slide, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. What's the idol? We don't worship idols in America. Yeah, we do. It's not the little gold or the little cement. It's the one in the mirror. It's that idol where we do what we want to do. That's rebellion. That's when you do things and I do things. That's when we do things when we know it's against God. Please hear me today. You're opening up a door to the enemy. It's just the same as you being in the back room having a seance with a wart on your nose and a pointy hat. It's the same thing. It's witchcraft. 
And there are people that are manipulating other people. There are churches filled with witches. There are pulpits that got witches in them. That's manipulating the people and, and, and doing what they want to do and living in open rebellion. This is, he's one right here as an example. Saul was an open example of that. When we openly disobey God, we are operating in witchcraft. It's getting quiet in this Catholic church this morning. Rebellion. We got to get rid of it. Rebellion. He's opening up the door to rebellion to his family. He's opening up the door to the, to the whole nation of Israel through rebellion. Number three, insecurity. Insecurity showed up in the life of Saul throughout his reign. Because what is insecurity? When you always feel threatened. He was always feeling threatened. The Bible says that the women came out one day and David began to now, David is now coming up into the ranks. He's not king, but he's coming up. And the Bible says that the women begin to sing this song and said, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And the Bible says that Saul listened to that and, is, and envied David from that day forward. He felt threatened. They were just singing a song, but he began to just feel threatened. Listen to this, because a, a, secure, a secure leader draws strength from their identity. An insecure leader draws strength from their image. Insecurities, we all have them. I talked about it at the 9.30, how I was the most insecure boyfriend that this woman had. We're married 26 years. I don't know how we made it this year because I was so insecure. This wrecks a lot of relationships, by the way. I was really sincere. My friends would call me, and they would always keep... One of them wanted the dater. I'm just going to say that right now. And, they, and they, so they kept telling me everything, anything, and blow things out. And uh, man, there were so many things that came against our get-together and when we first got together. But I was so insecure, and I would go, and I would drive all the way from Taylor and check on her, check on her, pop in on her. She lived in E-Course, and I would just pop in and be just... I was paranoid. I was like, what you doing, you know? Thank God we didn't have cell phones because I don't know what would have happened then. I would have, you know, who, who's texting you? Who's that? You know, I was just, just very insecure. Why? Because I always feel threatened. And insecurity is a form of pride because you're afraid it's going to affect your image. You're afraid that it's going to affect your image. And so you draw strength from people saying, you're a good husband. You're a good man. You're a good CEO. And I made it. If you ever watch the show, The Office, there's a poster child of insecurity in Michael, the, the boss. Okay. It's, it's hilarious. He, every day he has to say, I'm the boss here. You, you know somebody like that? You need to be secure. Listen, in your identity. You need to be secure in the fact that you're a son and a daughter of God. One day, I got, a light bulb came on and said, hey, if she didn't want to be with me, she wouldn't be with me. So I didn't have to always be told. So I thank God I grew out of that insecurity and became confident. A little bit too confident sometimes, because then you go in this ditch and you're being cocky. Come on, somebody. Anybody know any cocky people? Okay, you can get into that. That's confidence on steroids. That's the wrong way. But Saul would have to run down in the city downtown, and he would look at his statue and where it said, Saul, king of Israel. And then he would go, Ooh, read it again. Saul, king of Israel. He was so insecure. He constantly had to be told this. And seriously, this can really wreck a lot of relationships. This can wreck your relationship with God. This can wreck anything, a lot of things. Please hear me today. That's what King Saul would do. But when David came around, actually before David even became king, he drew strength from his identity. He didn't need a statue. 
When he fought Goliath, what did he do? The Bible says that he come running to Goliath with just a stick and a sling and a stone. And he said, God has delivered me from the lion. He has delivered me from the bear. And he's going to help me take this, this uh, Philistine down the same way. He got his strength, not by running to his statue, but by running to his trophy room. Can I tell you that you need to have a trophy room? A, a place where you can go and you can read and read the testimonies of what God has already done in your life. He would turn on the light when he felt discouraged and he would see the head of the lion mounted up on that wall. And he said, you remember that day? I almost lost my mind. I thought God left me all alone. But there's that head lying on that wall. Look at that bear. Can I tell you about the bear? There was a time in my life when I wanted to take my own life, when I felt depressed, when I felt discouraged. But God made a way where there is no way. What's he doing? He's getting strength from his identity of who God said he is. He is a man after God's own heart. Good preaching. I'm going to get this message myself. You draw strength from your identity. No matter how you feel, no matter what circumstance looks like, I'm telling you, you are a son and a daughter of God, and it's going to work out for the good. It's going to work out for the good. But Saul couldn't do that. He was too stuck on his image because of number four, he was living in denial. Number four, denial. You see, when Samuel came down to Saul and he said, hey, Saul, I told you to go down to the Amalekites and wipe out what? All of the Amalekites. And read it in your Bible, chapter 15. It's amazing. Actually, Saul come to Samuel. And this is how he walked up. Hey, Samuel, what's up, brother? I've done all that God has commanded me to do. That's how he started the conversation. And Saul's like, really? You're going to go there? I done saw on Snapchat. I saw on everything. No, actually, he said, then why do I hear? What's that sheep that I hear? <laughs> he says, where'd you get this goat? And who's this dude? Is this Agag? Is this the king? Read it. And Saul goes, what are you talking about? See, he said, I did all. When you're in denial, when you have this pride, you will not even see how messed up you are making things. You won't even see how bad your life has become. One of the lowest points of my life, battling alcohol and drugs, when I really got deep into drugs, I came home, and I had so much shame. I remember I crawled in the back seat of my car and slept in the car rather than going in the house to meet my wife because of the shame. But if you would have got me before that night, I'd have been like, ain't nothing wrong. I got, I'm in control. What's happened? Denial. Obadiah says this, pride can deceive your heart. The pride of your heart has deceived you, oh man. Pride has a way of just deceiving you. And it's something, because the enemy will always bring somebody who's worse off than you in your life. Because you'll always be like, well, I'm not as bad as that dude. <laughs> but Saul started to deny. And all he had to do, all he had to do to shut the door, church, all he had to do was say, Samuel, you're right. I blew it. I messed up. I should have wiped them all out. King, give me a sword. I'm going to take care of business right now. But he didn't. When Samuel pushed into his life a little more and confronted him a little more, he went from denying it and began to blame the people. There are people that will blame others. I'm this way because my daddy didn't play ball or go fishing with me or my mama didn't cook my best meal. Next thing you know, they end up getting into a marriage, they have a divorce, they have a, an affair, and it's because you couldn't make me happy. I'm telling you, you got to get rid of this. 
Some woman will come along and try to marry that guy thinking she's going to change him. Well, you're in denial. Thinking I'm going to change him. If he cheated on us first, he's going to cheat on you. Come on, somebody. I'm just being real. Can I get real with you today? It's denial. And this really is a testament to his leadership because when you're in leadership, you are responsible for who you are leading. If you're at work and you don't hit those numbers, it's your fault. But we, ah, it's not me. It's because I didn't have a good team. It's because of them. It's because of that. If you're in leadership, it starts with you. It starts with you. You have to be responsible. This is the biggest part of turning around, but I'm going to show you how to turn it around. King David comes along and begins to show us how to say, how to turn it around. He looked at him and he said, David said this, God, only you and you alone have I sinned against. And he said these three magical words. Watch this. Your life can be changed if you say these three words. I have sinned. That's it. The prodigal son was in the pig pen. He was in a pig pen. Luke 15. And what did he say? He came to his senses. It finally came. He, he put away the pride and his arrogance and him being all young and cocky. And he's going to go out and win the world. He's going to live his life the way he wants to live it. Go ahead and do that, brother. Okay? I'll see you in about five years, maybe ten years. Because God can play hardball. How many know God can play hardball? Okay, take it from me. How many hard-headed people like me do we have in the church today that will admit it? Amen. Come on. I know there's more than that. How many hard-headed people are in here? Come on. That was me. I'm going to live my life my own way. You know, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to do my little Jesus on every now on Easter, on Christmas. But, you know, as, you know, I had my own little thing. found myself in the pig pen, but everything changed when I said, God, I have Sin. It's not my mama. It's not my daddy. It's not the way I was raised. It's not because my husband did this. My ex-husband did that. It's not because of what grandma did. I have sinned before you and before you alone. And then that pride comes out. And the last one is egotism. They all kind of go together. In case you forgot what egotism is, let me put this definition up. I, I kind of laughed at it. The drive to maintain... A favorable uh, view of oneself. It's an inflated self-awareness. I thought that was hilarious. Come on, somebody. It's an inflated self-awareness. I want you to see how uh, Saul did repent, okay, after they had that conversation. Saul's like, okay, you didn't wipe out all the sheep because they're running around. You didn't wipe out all the goats, and you got the king standing here. And he says, your kingdom's going to be ripped from you. Look what Samuel said. Or then he said, this is what Saul said. Excuse me, Saul. Saul said, I have sinned, right? It looks like he said those three words. But look what he said. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. In other words, I'm just going to say face. I'm just going to say I'm sorry because I'm more concerned with how people know about me than what I actually lost. He wasn't concerned that he lost everything. He was more concerned that everyone was going to know about it. Good. Preach him. Woo! Come on. Samuel looked at him and he said these words. I'm going into closing number one. Listen to these words. With, I, I believe he had tears in his eyes. Samuel said, Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, didn't I use you to rule the whole nation of Israel? Now you've become puffed up and full of pride, and God's going to give it to a man after his own heart. And he gave it to David. And the Bible says that Saul went crazy. He actually, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord departed from him and an evil spirit came and tormented him. 
he was in such torment that he would call for David to come. David would come and sing songs. Music is so spiritual. I, I wish I had more time to talk about just this right here. He would come and worship. And the Bible says as he began to worship, worship, as he began to worship, that anointing that I was just talking about, the Bible says that evil spirit would leave from Saul. I don't know if he was schizophrenic. He didn't have a medical condition. This was a spiritual condition. But can I tell you that God can cure both? So you don't need to know if it's a, because there are medical issues and then there are spiritual issues and it's too deep for me to tell. But I can tell you this, that Jesus is the answer for both. Thank you, Sherry. Amen. She got it. I said, Jesus is the answer for both. So you don't need to know, is it this, if it's that, yeah, go to a doctor. If you need some medication, you got some whatever, yeah. But I'm telling you something, don't, don't uh, exclude Jesus. Jesus said, David will begin to play. The evil spirits will leave. But Saul tormented himself and it ends. I was going to make E. Instead of uh, uh, the, the last one, egotism, I was going to make it an evil ending because he ended up, he started out in the equipment room where he didn't even want it. But by the end of his career, he's with a witch in a tent calling up dead people to get advice. Read it in 1 Samuel. And the Bible says that he ended up falling on his own sword. And guess who took his crown? The Bible says that there was a man when he was dying that took his crown and ran to King David thinking he was going to get some help from King David. And King David said, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a crown. He said, whose crown is that? He says, it's King Saul. He said, who are you? He said, I'm an Amalekite. The very thing that you don't learn to get control over will take you down and will end up taking your family down. Please hear me today. That's true. That's true. But I'm going to end with some good news. I'm going to show you how to shut that door. The Bible says the enemy killed. How many going to give me five more minutes? The enemy came and the enemy killed, killed all of them. He killed his kids, killed his grandkids. There was one kid left. His name is Mephibosheth. Giving out baby names, Mephibosheth. Hey, Mephibosheth. Let's call him, let's call him Phoebe. Sad story. The Bible says the, the nurse that was holding Mephibosheth, he was just a baby. And the news came into the house that King Saul has been killed. Jonathan was killed, the whole family. Imagine getting news that your entire family has been killed. Genocide, you're all by yourself. The Bible says the nurse dropped the baby and Mephibosheth fell to the ground and he was crippled in his feet. So the Bible, if you were crippled in the ancient world and you weren't able to look out for yourself, there was no state assistance there. I mean, they would glean and leave you some. I mean, if you're a baby, he had no family. Could you imagine his life being crippled in the ancient world? The Bible says he ended up in a place called Lolabar. It's a very lonely and isolated place. I, I love my imagination. How many's got an imagination? It's crazy. I picture it like the bar scene at Star Wars. Every misfit you can think of was in there. Are you picturing it now? Okay, you get it? You don't want to do drugs today. Well, I wish I could do that. Walk up to people. You want to serve God today. You want to give him your whole life. I'm being silly, but let me tell you something. I wish I could do that, but it don't work that way. God's looking for you willingly to say yes to God. Mephibosheth gave up on God. He gave up on him. He was a descendant. He was, he was a descendant of King Saul. He belonged in royalty. But his dreams and visions didn't work out. So now he found himself at Lolabar. 
Have you almost given up on some things? Did you think one day, you know, you might have been believing God for something great, and you might have been believing God, man, that one day you're going to have 50 years, but now you find yourself at a place of isolated, of hopes and a, a boneyard, a graveyard like Lolabar with a bunch of misfits, and you're just all alone, and you're crippled in your feet, and you're going, I didn't think I'd end up here, but I don't know how I got here. That's what happened to Mephibosheth. The Bible says that David got up one day and said, let me go look in the archives and let me see if there's anyone left in the family of Saul. And he looked and he looked, he went all the way down. He said, who's this Mephibosheth? And they said, Lord, we don't know what happened to him. The enemies tried to take out all, because Saul opened up the door to the enemy and just alcoholism, violence, and failed, mur failed marriages, and depression, and all this is taking them all out. So Mephibosheth ran and he's hidden. No one can find him. Someone spoke up and said, he's at Lolabar. King David said, take my fastest chariots. Go down and get Mephibosheth. Now you got to picture this place. It's like, it's like a bar scene. Like I said, man, they're all sitting there. Here come the king's chariots. Come riding up. I can see the bartender. Oh, snap. King David is on his way. Everyone had warrants for their arrest, so they're hiding in the back room. Mephibosheth just can't get over there. He's crippled. And he's at the table, and they're like, Mephibosheth, man, you better hide. David's men are here. And I believe it was Abishai that kicked in the door. Abishai was a bloodthirsty warrior. David's men were no joke. One man jumped into a pit where there was a leopard, and he killed a leopard on a snowy day. One man. Would you jump into a pit? Who won't jump in a pit with a chihuahua? Maybe a chihuahua. That's David's men. Read it. He, this dude was bad to the bone. Abishai kicked in the door. And everyone's hiding. But Mephibosheth is so crippled, he can't even hide. You can, can I tell you that you can be so hurt, and you can be so damaged, and you can be so low that you don't even care if you're caught. God, what else will you can do to me that nobody else hasn't already done? And Abishai looked around, and he said, I'm looking for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth said, here I am. And he unrolled a scroll, and he said... Hear ye, hear ye, King David, son of Jesse, demands the presence of Mephibosheth in his palace today. I think a little joy came up in Mephibosheth, a feeling he forgot. It's been years since he's felt that. He hasn't had no one love him, coddle him. He quit telling them about, you're going to be in the throne and in the palace one day because you're a descendant of Saul. He quit hearing that because guess what? They're all dead. Is this joy? Come on with me, he said. So they help him up into the chariot, probably the longest 35 miles from Lolabar to Jerusalem, city of David, that he's ever had. He gets out. They escort him down that long, ancient, stony hallway with torches on both sides. Come on, you got to get in there when you read the Bible. You got to get in there with me. This is king of Israel. Israel was thousands of people. Don't you understand? Israel undefeated army under King David. King David never lost one battle. King David was a man's man. Serving God takes a man, by the way, fellas. It takes a bigger man to say no to sin and yes to God than it does to no to God and yes to sin. Anybody can mess around and wreck your marriage. Anybody can go out and act a fool, but it takes a man for you to, on Friday night to go home. It takes a man to come to church on Sunday and not send your kids, but bring them. I'm preaching good, Tomas. Don't you know it's right, brother? 
Here he come walking down that hallway and he's looking up and you got King David. And as I said this morning, I think he was wearing his crown a little to the left. It's King David. This dude's been killing giants at 13 years old. What was you doing at 13? 13, he was killing giants. Killed a lion and a bear. Don't mess with David. And I love David. You got to find yourself in the Bible. The Bible says he had reddish hair. Come on, somebody. Yes, sir. I remember that, right? Can all the gingers say amen in this place? <laughs> yeah, he, he said he was good looking. Oh. That's David. He was bad. He's sitting on the throne. Listen to me. Mephibosheth comes up. I just read this between services to kind of just get it fresh in my heart again. And he says, are you Mephibosheth? The Bible says Mephibosheth threw his crippled self to the ground. He said, oh, my father David, have mercy. I've been hiding now. Are you going to finish the job what my daddy did? We ain't had no one make it. No one graduated high school in my family. Nobody had a good marriage after five years. No one can beat alcohol in my family. No one can beat depression in my family. Go ahead and do what you're going to do. David said, oh, man, you got it all wrong. He said, man, come in here. Take Mephibosheth. Give him a royal bath. Put a royal robe on his back. And I read this just this morning. For I'm going to restore all that was stolen from you. Come on, get on your feet with me today. If you want God to restore everything that the enemy has stolen, maybe your grandfather allowed the enemy in your life. We're going to shut the door right now. At 104, the door's being shut. But Fibosheth said me, he said, from this day forward, you're going to eat at my table. When they say King David, you're going to be right there saying, yes, sir, you're talking to my man. Because that's what God does. We're going to shut them doors. I don't care what your past is like. I don't care what you did last night. You're in the house of God today. And we're going to shut them doors in Jesus' name right now. And God's going to shut them doors. He's going to restore all to your life. In Jesus' name, pride stands for praise withheld, rebellion, insecurity, denial, and egotism. This is pride. I want you to think of pride. I want you to think of these words from this day forward. But David comes and he shuts the door. Are you ready to shut the door right now? Father, in Jesus' name, in this place. Father, feel your presence in here so strong. God, I thank you for the anointing of God that's in this place. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would just break these shackles right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You need some doors shut right now. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. God's going to shut them. I don't care. You might not have opened them. You are fine, but somebody else has shut the door on and you don't understand why or opened the door and now you got all these issues going on in your life. Well, I got good news for you. God's going to shut them right now. David shut it for Israel and he shut it through worship. David shut it through worship. You're going, I want you to begin to worship him right now. That's how you shut the doors. Begin to thank him. Thank him that you're here today. Thank him that you didn't take your life. Thank him that you went ahead and decided to come to church today. Thank him that you interceded and stepped in and persevered one more week. Thank him right now. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Because the enemy wants you down. He wants your family down. You may be single in this place. The enemy wants your kids that you haven't even thought of yet in this place. So we're going to give him our praise. We're going to give him our praise. Because it's your breath. Come on, help us sing. Come on, sing it. Come on. 
give it, give it, give it. Mephibosheth began to worship. You know he did. Come on, get in that rhythm. Come on, get in that rhythm. shut some doors in your life like I said earlier I want to be sensitive at the time we got volunteers that have been out there all day I'm going to dismiss you and I'm going to have you if you need to go go ahead and go others that you need to shut some doors you need to come to these altars and we're going to go out worshiping right now don't leave out of this place unless you know for sure those doors are shut is there any Mephibosheths in here today I want you to come up to the altar if you need if you're if you're Saul if you got some issues in your life any one of those five I know it because I it got me in my time before I came here I was on my knees repenting of all the pride that I allowed in my life but I shut the door and I'm gonna continue to shut the door so you need prayer or you just need to be with God I want you to come up maybe you don't know the Lord maybe you're not even a Christian you need to invite Jesus into your life I'm gonna ask you to come up as well and just come up here to the front I'm gonna pray with you in just a minute the rest of you as we sing God bless you have a great Sunday we'll see you Wednesday at 7 or next Sunday at 9 30 or 11 30 thanks for listening we trust that God has spoken to you through today's message if you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.